I'm Jocelyn Frank. Welcome to this podcast produced by the International Monetary Fund. After author Daniel Jurgen won the Pulitzer for his book called The Prize, The Epic Quest for Oil, Money, and Power, he waited over 20 years to tackle the topic of oil again. His newest book is called The Quest, Energy, Security, and the Remaking of the Modern World. It's a response to the major changes that have taken place in the global energy market over that time. There's been the fall of the Soviet Union, China's rise, the development of shale gas, a major nuclear disaster at the Fukushima plant in Japan, and of course, the Arab Spring. I spoke with Daniel Jurgen as he prepared to give a presentation at the International Monetary Fund about the importance of the changing oil market. Jurgen argues that experts often overstate the threat of oil reserves running out. We go through these periods where people get very concerned that supplies are, are going to be short. And, you know, and this isn't meant to be a humorous, but in effect, the world has run out of oil five times. It actually started in the, in the 1880s and uh, at the end of World War I, end of World War II, 1970s. And then in the second half of the last decade, uh, we experienced another one of those. We're seeing now a res price response. Price is high enough to stimulate new technologies. It's changing the course of demand. But this is not to say that there are not very major challenges. We have about a $70 trillion world economy today. In a couple of decades, it may be $130, $135 trillion world economy. That's going to require a lot of energy. What kind of energy? Will it be there in a timely way? What will be the mix? How much more efficient will it become? All of these are questions that will unfold and what will make what happens to energy one of the critical fundamental questions about the future of our global economy. How much is the goal for energy stability for each nation to have a degree of independence? Is that the goal or is it more about diversification and a balance between imports and exports? That's a very good question. I always go back to a comment Winston Churchill made on the eve of the First World War when he shifted the Royal Navy from coal to oil. People attacked him and said that, you know, this means we're going to be dependent upon Iran, Persia. And he said the safety in oil lies in variety and variety alone. The real message is diversification, resilience, backup. There's no reason a priority to say we're going to put up a wall, pull up the, the bridges, build dikes and not be part of a world economy, but you want to do it in a thoughtful way so that your economy is resilient against the shocks and the unexpected events. What role is climate change playing in shaping energy policy? It is a fundamental part of uh, energy policy to one degree or another. Like Europe, uh, regions are pursuing explicit climate change policies, in the United States less so. Since the financial collapse of 2008, clearly the focus has been on jobs, recovery, stabilization. I think there's a recognition that, you know, what happens with energy prices, particularly oil, but in general, is not only a pocketbook issue for people both in developed and developing countries, but is also a major macroeconomic issue. Do you think that energy has the potential to become a populist issue? I think we have seen, at times, energy a populist issue when prices go up, when it hits people in their pocketbooks. You know, in the United States, you'll hear from congressmen when they go home to their districts, they'll come back and say, everybody, all they talked to me about was gasoline prices. Or you see it when people take to the streets 
to protest in developing countries when they try and lift the subsidies which distort the economy and distort demand and how difficult it is for governments to deal with it. We went from a period when oil was going to be $20 a barrel forever to what it is. It reached 147.27, came down and is up again. And of course, that's also a symbol of the impact of the emerging markets and their changing role on the whole global economy. To that effect, what role do you believe that China and India will play going forward? China is now the second largest oil uh, consumer in the world. Probably sometime around 2020 or a little bit after that, it will overtake the United States as the largest consumer, at least it could. India is years behind that. and India doesn't have the same kind of road infrastructure as China, but it's certainly on the same kind of uh, growth path. So their impact is going to become ever larger. What do you think are the most important priorities for nations around the world to assure a greater degree of global energy security or national energy security? What are a few steps that are the most urgent? I would put at the top of the priorities energy efficiency, conservation. If you look at the industrial nations, they're all about twice as energy efficient as they were a few decades ago. I think diversification, you know, prudent, thoughtful development. And then I think uh, cooperation and communication. For instance, there's a big priority on a strong Chinese-U.S. energy dialogue. So each country understands what the other's position is. And I think we're in a period now of the most intense innovative effort in energy that the world has ever seen. And to me, that's a source of optimism. That was Pulitzer Prize-winning author Daniel Jurgen discussing the state of the global energy market. If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit www.imf.org slash podcasts to hear more. <laughs>